Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, October 28th, a rainy day here in Jacksonville. Not sure where you're listening. You may be listening up in Virginia, up on the Lighthouse in the Virginia Beach area, or you may be listening in Meridian, Mississippi on WMER, or up in Folkestone, Georgia, or down in St. Augustine, or here in Jacksonville on The Truth, but we're so glad. Or you may be just streaming us uh, like so many people do through the internet. And if you are, we're so glad you're listening today. Today is guest day. Every Thursday, we have a guest on SWAT Radio. And by the way, if you're just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And uh, we have a presence on Facebook and Twitter. I don't know why, but we do at SWAT Radio Talk on both. And um, I'm so glad today to be joined. Um, by telephone by our guest, Miss Holly Snell. I met Holly uh, a week ago. It's very rare that I meet somebody and one week later have them on our program, but I was so taken back by their story, her story, her sister's story, her family's story. And uh, Holly and her sister wrote a book called Dancing on My Ashes. And uh, it's got a sub, learning to love the one who gives and takes away. Sounds like something out of Job. Uh, And you might uh, ask yourself why that subtitle. Well, she is going to share that today. But Holly is the uh, executive director at the uh, Hope Women's Center in McKinney, Texas, not far from where Lori and I used to live out there. We lived in Dallas for about three years. And uh, her and her husband, Aaron, also are on the, the leadership team out at the Parks Church out there in uh, McKinney, Texas. And so I look forward to hearing more about her and her husband and just her and her ministry at the Pregnancy Center and this book, Dancing on My Ashes. And you can get Dancing on My Ashes at Amazon.com. But Holly... Uh, so glad you could join us today. Thank you and welcome to SWAT Radio. Doug, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Is it your first time to be on a men's discipleship radio program? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can honestly answer yes to that. I've been on other radio programs, but definitely not one that's geared for men. This well, is, this is awesome. Well, I am so excited that God brought our paths together. I told you my wife just couldn't put the book down. uh, Real quick, just so people understand, my wife and I are in Missouri because we're there to visit our daughter who's at a gap year program, and there's a conference out there called The Following, and we don't know what it is, but it looks spiritual, and some lady we met in the elevator said it was spiritual, but she didn't even get the name right of the conference. And so I walk down there, I'm going to get my wife something, and I run into Holly's mother-in-law, and I said, so what is this? And she starts telling me your story and what you're doing, and you wrote a book, and, you know, everybody writes a book today, just about it. You see lots of books out in the Christian world, and, you know, and so you never know quite 
whether it's going to be biblical, first of all, and that's a big key thing right. for us at SWAT Radio. It's our it's our starting point. Everything has to be biblical. And so I asked my wife, who's got a spirit of discernment and who reads very deep, like she she reads between the lines better than I do. So she started reading a book. Oh, she goes, oh, you got to have this girl on your radio program. Man, you got to have her on there because it's biblical, it's solid, and it's good. And so uh, I, I was... Uh, very excited that God brought our paths together. And I, I, I want to read just a quick excerpt from your book and then have you okay. kind of tell the story a little bit uh, about it. And uh, this is from your web- website. By the way, you can go to dancingonmyashes.com to, to order the book also, or you can just go uh, learn more about uh, Holly and her sister Heather. Uh, But it says it was only supposed to take a few hours to scout out a good canoe route. But when James Brill and Scott Nesbitt weren't back in time for dinner, their wives, their sisters Heather and Holly Wall, started to pray. They didn't stop. And then I'm going to leave it there (laughs) and let people wonder. Okay, so now let's back up with that oh and by the way you start that page there's a time for everything a time to weep a time to laugh a time to mourn and a time to dance holly take us through your spiritual journey um when did you start following christ and how did you and your husband meet uh and tell us how you got to the canoe route okay yeah well, I did grow up in a pastor's home, so my dad was a pastor, my mom was a church secretary, um, but what I remember that really was some pivotal moments for me was when my parents had people over from church, they'd be hanging out um, in their living room, fellowshipping, eating, but there was one particular night I remember just as they were all gathered and just talking about Jesus, um, I remember sitting on my dad's lap. And as they're talking, we had this kind of picture of Jesus. I refer to him as the 70s Jesus um, <laughs> back in the day, those pictures. Um, but I remember listening to them talk, and there was just something that really even pricked my heart as a little girl at five years old, and just realizing, even though I didn't fully understand it, still struggle with all of the understanding, but realizing I need a Savior. And to hear them talk about Jesus, it really impacted me. So um, th- that's really the beginning of what began to pique my curiosity as a little girl. And then, um, quite honestly, um, a couple years later, a year later, really, um, I remember sleeping in the middle of the night, and I thought my dad was calling me, waking me up, saying, Holly, come here. And so I got up out of bed, and I went over into my mom and dad's room, and my like, dad, I'm here, what do you need? And And he's like, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And that happened two more times. Mm. And finally, my dad realizing kind of what was happening, kind of this Samuel moment. And he says, Holly, if you hear that voice again, say, yes, Lord, I'm here, I'm Mm. listening. And really, that was the beginning. I know it sounds crazy, but just feeling the Lord really called me to himself, even as a little girl. Mm. And so it was the next morning after having that encounter um, with the Lord that night, my dad sat down, and explained, um, like really explained the gospel to me, and he prayed with me, and I accepted Christ that next day, and really um, 
do the ups and downs, um, lots of ups and lots of downs, um, just the Lord really being with me through it all. And so that's really the beginning of my faith journey. But then um, just growing up, fast forward um, into my high school years, and my dad, um, he was 39 years old, and he suffered a severe stroke Mm. one Sunday after church, and it rattled the whole family and basically rushed him to, obviously, the hospital, and that's where we determined that he'd had a severe stroke, and which led to a whole bunch of more complications, even to the point of them realizing that the the flap, which is called the fistula that's over the stomach, wasn't closing properly, and acid over years had been eating um, holes in his esophagus, and food and liquid had been leaking out of his esophagus into his body, making him very ill on top of the stroke that he had. And so um, we... As a family, we as a church family, um, we rallied and we prayed. My dad was in the hospital at that time for seven and a half months and for a time period couldn't eat, um, couldn't talk or walk. And also he had he needed a blood transfusion while he was there, multiple. And they also discovered while he was there that they, the hospital, gave him um, the HIV virus through a blood transfusion. So it was just. And how old were you, Holly, during this time? I was 15, 15 years old during this time. And that's a, that's just a tough time anyway, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, 15 is a tough time. Exactly. Wow. It was, it was. Um, and so that was really just really beginning to, um, just ask God some questions during that time. And quite honestly, it's all it's all in the book in far greater detail, but really we began to see God do the miraculous. We began to see Him answer our prayers in miraculous fashion. And so as we prayed and rallied and people all over the country were praying for my dad, um, they began to run more tests, more reports, um, because my dad felt like the Lord had really... Um, appeared to him one night in a dream and just said, ask the doctors to recheck your blood. I have healed you of the HIV virus. And so my dad, you know, he calls his doctors in, asks for those more tests, and they basically, their response is, listen, when you've got it, you've got it. It's not something you can get rid of. You're, this is going to be with you for your life. And my dad, in response, is like, well, the Lord has told me that when he heals, I'm healed. And I want you to run the test again. And so sure enough, they ran the test and test after test came back negative, negative, negative. And so it was like this truly miraculous thing that we saw God do. Um, And in that incredible thing that God did, um, it began to really seed an incorrect view of God in my life. Wait, did you say, did you say an incorrect view? Yes, because I began to think if I prayed a certain way or did a certain thing that God was going to answer my prayer. Wow. What what that is very popular in our culture, uh, unfortunately, and we got to go to our first break and I want to pick up on that when we come back because a lot of people have been lulled into that view, Holly, and uh, I, I would love for you to share 
how God continued to shape you through that that view. Uh, hey, you're listening right. to SWAT Radio. I have Holly Snell, who is the executive director of the Hope Women's Center. She wrote a book called Dancing on My Ashes. You can go to dancingonmyashes.com for more information about Holly and her sister who wrote the book. And uh, you can also go to Amazon and order the book as well. And we're going to be right back with more of the story from Holly Snell on SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice at the same old lies, if you're trying to feel the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday guest day. If you're just tuning in, I have Holly Snell, who is the executive director of Hope Women's Center which is an unplanned pregnancy clinic in McKinney, Texas. Uh, Holly is the mother of three children. I think you st- you have three, right? Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yes. Emma, Malachi, and Ava. And uh, also, uh, her husband and her are on the a leadership team and a part of the founders of Parks Church out in Texas, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah, out in McKinney, Texas. And so, uh, Holly, uh, I met last week. Uh, my wife and I were out at uh, uh, Missouri. We met her, and she has a pretty compelling story. I want to jump right back into it. And so if you missed the first segment, uh, Holly was sharing about how her dad had contracted HIV through a blood transfusion. They had prayed and been praying. Uh, seven months he's in the hospital. He was miraculously healed, and she said right before we went to the break, that led to kind of an incorrect view of of prayer and uh, praying certain ways or with expectation. I mean, we should pray with expectation, right, Holly? But you said yes, it kind of led to an incorrect view. Expound on that for us and take us further into your story. Right. Well, basically, in my mind, God became more like a genie in the bottle that Again, if I prayed a certain way, did a certain thing, that he's going to answer my prayers in the way that I want him to answer those prayers. Because we saw him do the miraculous in my dad, but I do find painfully later that 
um, but yet it was a beautiful process. The Lord is, is so much bigger than that. Mm. And he, his, his story that he's writing in our lives is so much greater. And, um, yeah, so, so my dad, um, he, the Lord did heal him miraculously and began to continue to strengthen him. And at this point now, um, that, so that all happened when I was a sophomore in high school. But as a senior in high school, I knew it was time for me to make a decision on where I wanted, uh, where I felt the Lord was really calling me to go to school. I did feel just that there was a special calling upon my life for ministry. And so um, my dad recommended me to apply to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. And so what the funny story to that is, he applied many years prior and was not accepted because he had been to a movie and been to a dance. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, things have changed yeah. quite a bit, haven't they? <laughs> I know. It's, it's so funny. But anyway, um, and, and Chicago sounded good to me. When it was further away from home, I wanted to kind of spread my wings a little bit. And so I was accepted. I went to Moody and... Um, it was my freshman year. It was the first semester, and um, I went out with all the girls from my floor, and we were actually going out with another kind of brother floor, one of the floors um, of all the guys that we were kind of paired up with. And so we all planned to go to dinner together, and so um, then I see this just this handsome, handsome young man walk through the doors, and my heart was racing. <laughs> And his name was Scott Nesbitt, and I later learned that night, um, because I just so happened to hang out with him the rest of the night, um, he was the youngest of nine, and I'm the oldest of six. So we both had some crazy family stories that we could share from different perspectives, from the oldest to the youngest. And so that was a lot of fun. And I grew up in mid-Missouri, and he grew up in western New York. very close to Niagara Falls. And so it was just fun kind of comparing our stories. But what I did sense in him immediately was just a a love for the Lord and a steadfastness. Um, he wasn't a flashy guy. He was a steady guy. And I was just really drawn to that. I was drawn to Christ that I could see so clearly in him. And so um, as, as the months and weeks went on, I... That boy finally asked me out, which was pretty exciting for me. But um, what was really cool was the very last day of school, my freshman year there at Moody, and Scott and I were on the phone and we're talking about dreams. And and he begins to ask me, well, Holly, if you could do anything, what would you do? And so during that time, um, I had been singing with a Christian um, band and we've been like opening for different Christian artists in the Chicago area. And so I just told him more of the same. I really was interested in music ministry and worship. And his response to that was, ugh, like, that doesn't sound very appealing. And and I was kind of offended. Like, why, why, why does that not appeal to you? And I felt my response to him was, so if you could do anything, what would you do? And he begins to describe one day starting a Christian adventure camp for inner city youth, getting them out of the city, getting them into nature, letting them experience God there, having services and Bible studies and those types of things. And and my response to him was, ugh, like, that's not me. I'm not an outdoorsy girl, but sure, whatever. Um, That was 
the final conversation we'd really had um, on that subject for several years. And then a few years after that, after dating, um, he proposes, we get married, and we end up moving uh, to be with his family on his family's farm. They're apple farmers um, out in western New York. And we lived right next door to his mom and dad, which actually was a good thing. But we were, quite honestly, um, more like your modern-day Green Acres couple. And I think anyone over 40 will know what I'm talking about. Who's I, I know. Right now. I, I know Miss, <laughs> Mr. Douglas and, and Miss Douglas, right? That's right. That's right. He was on the tractor, and I'm with my feather boa saying, give me Park Avenue. That was that was us. But, um, you know, the Lord really um, just continued to put us together, and we just loved doing ministry together. We were serving as youth ministers at the church that he grew up in during that time, and he was also serving with his one of his older brothers on the apple farm. And so while we are um, enjoying the early years of marriage, we get a phone call from a friend, an acquaintance that we had made back when we were students at Moody Bible Institute. And this gentleman used to be the executive vice president of marketing for the entire McDonald's corporation. And so our friend, he gives us a call and he said, hey, are y'all planning on coming back to Chicago anytime soon? I'd like to visit with you. And so we're like, Sounds great. And so we we hightail it back to Chicago, and we're meeting with our friend, and we're sitting across from him, and he leans towards my husband, and he begins to ask this question. He said, Scott, if you could do anything, if money weren't an object, what would you do? And Scott begins to talk about this Christian adventure camp for inner city teens, and I'm thinking, Seriously, we haven't talked about this for years, and you're bringing this up again? <laughs> and it just it was caught, caught me off guard. And so our friend, um, who's sitting across from us, he responds to Scott and says, man, I'm in. Um, I'm going to make that dream a reality. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Um, we took the next several weeks, and we started um, looking for a a campground that basically where we could begin to build up this camp. And so we went all through the Adirondacks. We went through New Hampshire. We checked out places in Vermont. And finally, we come, came across uh, 220 acres north of Montpelier, Vermont, a little place called Maple Corner. And it had a 60,000 square foot barn. It had two houses on the property. Charles purchased all of that. Wow. He had um, he had horses brought in from Montana. We had ropes course elements built out in our woods. We had trails throughout all of our woods. We had a private pond, and it was the beginning of this dream mm. that we began to see God unfold. How often is it that you get to do what those dreams that you have dreamt of since you were a little kid? And sure enough, that's where we found ourselves at that time. It was incredible. Mm. That's, that's, I mean, it very, very, very rare. <laughs> Does you have somebody that come up and says, hey, if you could do anything, and then they go do it, right? I mean, like that. Exactly. that <clears throat> but exactly. were, were you still, and we, we've got about a minute before we have to break for the news, a minute and a half. Were, were you still in that faulty mindset of the genie in the bottle kind of God at this point? 
Absolutely. I, I don't think I knew it was there at that time, but I did discover that um, in some months mm. uh, to come. Yeah. Well, um, actually, we got three minutes. So I was so so. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, we got three minutes. So I, I, my 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 producer in there is good. He he meant to do three, but he did a one. <laughs> and so so we got three minutes. So go ahead. So take us so that you got this property, you got this place. So still have this faulty view, kind of a genie in the bottle, God, although you love God, but you had that. So tell us what happened next. So we're at this property, we're getting things going, and our friend who purchased the property, who's also now living on the property, he says to us, hey, Holly, um, let's get your family up here so they can come out and see this. And I hadn't seen them in a handful of months. And so he flies my whole family out to visit. And while my dad is there, he gets very sick which kind of used to it, his health had gone up and down ever since the stroke, um, even though the Lord did miraculously heal his blood of HIV. But my dad gets very sick, and he's there for a handful of days. He had to go to the hospital, and then he demanded to be released. Mm. And so we get him out. We fly him back to Missouri, and I end up going with them to take to take care of him so my mom could go back to work. And at that point... Um, Scott and I had a two a, a daughter who had just turned one year old at that point, and so I'm at home in Missouri, taking care of my dad and taking care of my daughter. And my dad continues to get worse, and we get the call um, that he had passed away in the middle of the night um, while he was in the hospital, and that absolutely wrecked all of us. Because you were close to your father. You were close to him. You can tell that just from the way you talk about him. Uh, and very, yeah. And 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 how old are you at this point? I was twenty four. So time. only nine years removed from when he was in the hospital for seven months, and and That's so you, you 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 ride the roller coaster of him kind of getting better, being healed, and now he's down, and and God brings him home, and um, and and it only gets better. <laughs> or worse, uh, depending on perspective, as you go forward. We're going to go to this break for news, and when we come back, I want to pick up here. And you're listening to Holly Snell, who is a speaker, a worship leader, executive director of Women's uh, Center and uh, the Unplanned Pregnancy Clinic there in uh, McKinney. And she wrote this book with her sister called Dancing on My Ashes, And she's telling the story. And when you come back, you're going to hear more on SWAT Radio. We'll be right back after the news. Stay tuned. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's uh, Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. And today my guest is Holly Snell. She's uh, wrote this book called Dancing on My Ashes with her sister. 
And um, you can go, uh, for more info on the book, to order it, you can go to dancingonmyashes.com. Uh, you can also go to Amazon and get it, just Dancing on My Ashes. And uh, just real quick, at the beginning of the book, in the introduction, she has Jeremiah thirty-one thirteen. Then maidens will dance and be glad. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. And, you know, it, it's a real deepening thing when you can get comfort from the Lord in something tragic. And, um, right. and, and Holly, your story is so powerful of how God got you to where you are now and just the loss of a parent. My parents listen every day and, and my parents are in their eighties. And, and I know if you're close to your parents or you're close to your folks, that's a tough thing, especially in your twenties. And, uh, you're just launching out on this ministry opportunity and your dad's taken and uh how did you respond so my dad passed away on october 11th 1999 and that was a real tough hit because he really was the spiritual rock of our family so we were all really struggling and there's a 20-year age gap between me and my youngest brother so there was still young kids at home who now didn't have their dad. And so we were all really, really wrestling through that loss. But as the oldest of six kids, I felt like I needed to pull it together to be tough, to continue to move forward on top of the fact that we're getting ready to launch our first summer, this next summer, with the camp. So I'm like trying to summon the strength, the energy to focus and to stuff down those feelings of hurt and pain. And so that's exactly what I did for a time. And so now we're coming into a few months have passed, and now we're getting ready to launch um, this this camp, and it was called Pathway Ministries, and it was out of Vermont. And so it was now coming into the summer of 2000, and we Scott and I knew that we needed to hire some more staff to help us. And so uh, selfishly, I wanted to call my sister Heather, who had just married her college sweetheart the year before. And I asked her to come, the, both of them, and come and be a part of the camp, be camp uh, leaders with us. And and so we thought, hey, we can grieve together, but we can minister together. This is going to be great. And so James and Heather, they came and they joined us with the rest of our team. Mm-hmm. So here we are. It's now the summer of 2000. We've got an entire summer full of youth groups who are scheduled to come and give us a try. And things were going great. Things were going great. We were working super hard, but it was tough work. Mm. And so there was one particular day in the summer where um, my husband, Scott, and Heather's husband, James, they decided they were going to go scout out a new canoe route for the group that we had there. We had taken other groups canoeing before in different rivers, but they wanted to see if there was a better, better location for them. So they left around noon on um, August 1st, and they were supposed to be back by dinner time. So dinner time comes, and there's no Scott, and there's no James. And so we're like, huh, that's strange. I wonder where they are, but we just kind of like, well, we got to keep moving forward. We've got services tonight, and worship, and all these things for the kids, so let's go ahead and get all this going. So the team pulls together, we get through the services, and... 
10 o'clock, 10 p.m. rolls around, and I'm thinking, where is Scott and where is James? And so I made a couple phone calls to see if any accidents had been reported matching their description. And at that point, none had. And so I just, I prayed and just like, Lord, wherever they are, take care of them, be with them. And, you know, I know we'll see them in the morning. And so I go to bed with every intention of thinking that I'm going to be awakened um, by my husband walking in through the door at the light of dawn with some crazy story. And so the next morning rolls around and there's no Scott and there's no James and the panic began to set in. And so I began to make more phone calls. I reported them missing. Um, We didn't know where they had gone, what river they could have gone to. I called the church where Scott and I had been serving as youth ministers. And so people at the church started taking off work once the word began to spread. And basically, my little um, living room turned into a search and rescue headquarters. I had a map out and highlighters, and people were calling me and telling me what rivers they had walked, looking for them. And uh, so that was what the next day looked like, was just searching for them. Um, But I remained on site at the campground, hoping that they would return. My sister and I, um, Heather, we were in the middle of a live television interview, and the National Guard was getting ready to go out um, with helicopters looking for them. But in the middle of the live television interview around 5 o'clock at night, Um, I'm answering their questions, and the phone rings, Mm -hmm. and I pick it up. Again, this is all live, and I answer the phone, and on the other line is a sheriff who identifies himself, and he says, I'm so sorry Mm. that your husband's bodies have been found floating in a river. And that's all the information I got. In the middle of a live television interview. Correct. Correct. And so I look up at my sister who's standing across from me and I say, Heather, they're gone. And so that's when the camera lights quickly went off. My sister went running out of the house in one direction and I went running out of the house in another direction. And that wasn't just literal. That was also spiritual for my sister and I. Um, Heather, she went out um, onto a high hill on the property, and basically she began to have that with God. Just mm. like, how dare you? Um, you've just taken my dad, and now you've taken my husband. And so she just kind of had this crossroads moment with the Lord. And that was her initial response. And for me, I went running in the grass, and I, I fell down out into the field, another field, And I just had to get away because I could hear the crying and the wailing that had commenced um, on the property. Mm. And I just laid there in the grass, just asking God, asking God all those kinds of questions that you get when you're met with this kind of loss. And I'm like, God, where are you? How could you do this? Um, I've lost my husband. I've lost my dad. Um, Just... My daughter has lost her, her dad, and, and the youth group has lost their youth pastor. Scott, who's the youngest of nine, the siblings have lost their brother. I mean, it just the, the thought and the 
element, the levels of loss just kept hitting me like a wave. But as I continued um, to weep before the Lord in just absolute brokenness, the most supernatural thing began to happen in that moment. And it, what I'm about to describe has nothing to say about anything good in me. This is all the Lord. Um, but I lay there in the grass, and I began to sit up on my knees, and I lifted my hands, and I began to worship Him. Hmm. I just began saying crazy things, Doug, like, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't like it. But in this moment, I'm going to anchor myself to what I do know of who you are. Because none of this makes sense, but here's what I do know. Here's what does make sense, that you are a good God, that you are a faithful God, that you are kind. And so I had to begin to just remind myself, preach basically to myself the goodness of God in such a moment. And I just began to worship Him. And I can tell you, even though that was one of the most excruciating moments of my life, it was also one of the most beautiful because it felt like, man, I had the attention of God in that moment. He was there with me and he was, he was covering me like a blanket and just, I felt like he was just bringing me into his arms and there was nothing else I could do with, but just to cry out to him and to worship him. Uh, and That's just a beautiful thought, story. I, I mean, like what would you, uh, it's just, it's, it's, be- it's painful but it's beautiful, and I, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm sitting here moved to tears. I'm, 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 I'm just, and I'm moved to tears not because of you, but because of God doing that in you. Yes, that's what's that's so right. amazing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, I can tell you that night, that first night, and anyone who's hearing this who's walked through loss like this, you're totally going to understand what I'm talking about. But that first night, that first night is, is a whammy. (laughs) And Heather and I, we, we wanted to sleep in the same room that night just to be near one another. And we didn't say a word to each other. We just could hear each other crying all night. But I woke up the next morning and the sun was beaming in my little window in our little house. And quite honestly, it made me mad, Doug. It made me mad. That light did not reflect on how I was feeling in that moment. And so I was really upset. And so I got, I sat up out of my bed and my feet hit the hardwood floor. And the second my feet hit the hardwood floor, the Lord dropped a song in my heart that I hadn't heard or sung since I was a little girl. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was scripture from Lamentations talking about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, His mercies never end, they're new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. And so that song just was playing over and over and over in my head, and I just continued to anchor myself to scripture, anchoring myself to the Word of God, and it's really literally the only thing that got me through um in the days that followed wow that that's that's just beautiful holly i mean like because uh, you know i i was sharing with the swat guys this morning that uh in exodus 19 moses is told you're a kingdom to tell them you're a kingdom of priests he, he's selling telling people you're a kingdom of priests to tell them the words tell them these words that i speak and and Peter does the same thing over in First Peter two nine. You're a kingdom of 
priest to go proclaim the excellencies of of Jesus. And and at that moment, I mean, when you your feet hit the ground, he takes you back to Lamentations, who is the weeping prophet's words. It was God's words through him. But I mean, like Jeremiah wept like nobody else. And you know, we got to go to a break for our last break. Man, this time's flying. I wish we could get you for like two hours. But uh, we, uh, when we come back from this break, I want you to help those who are out there who are listening. How did you push? forward through the strength of the lord and tell people what god is doing when we come back okay yeah sounds great okay hey you're listening to swat radio if you want to share this with somebody that may have lost somebody or who's going experiencing loss you can go to www.swatradio.com it'll be posted within a couple hours of the program and you can share the link uh, we're going to be right back with more of Holly Snell. The book, Dancing on My Ashes, available at SWATradio.com. Or you can go to the website, DancingOnMyAshes.com. We'll be right back for the last segment. Stay tuned on SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing back. Stood on this stage night after night. Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Um, man, I got to catch my breath here, Steve. I, I, I'm just taken back. I, you know, sometimes emotions hit you and you're just not prepared for them, Holly. And I, well, our guest is Holly Snell today. And she, her and her sister wrote a book called Dancing on My Ashes. And, uh, I, it just hit me as you shared that, and I'm picturing you in this field, just you know, praising God in the midst. And I think of Job, and I made that comment earlier. Of uh, Job is one of the most beautiful books in the Bible to me. It really is mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when you can praise God in the midst of your pain and suffering, then it's only God that allows you to do that because nobody's going to do that in your human state you know nobody's gonna do that apart from the spirit of the lord moving in them and uh i I was just so taken back by that and even you know we don't get to pick our songs i mean the songs are kind of pre-picked as far as breaks 
And that song, Even If, tells that story, too. I'm going to praise mm-hmm. you, even if it doesn't work out. That's right. And so here you are. You've lost your father. You know, uh, not, not you will see him again, but he's taken from your presence. Your husband right. uh, is taken from your presence. And we got about 10 minutes <laughs> to compress the, the last 10 years or, or 20 years into. But what has God done? How did he move you from this this understanding as your feet hit the floor of okay i'm i'm praising and I, it is new every morning but man it's a process how did you get to where you're now sharing very openly about it and and with such grace and such strength from the lord well, I can tell you there, even though you all are hearing the upside to my response, there were plenty of days that there was lots of tears and still a lot of asking God why. But I'm sitting here talking to you almost 21 years after my world fell apart. Mm-hmm. And even though I would never want to go through that experience again, I could honestly tell you um, that I wouldn't change it mm-hmm. because it was through my pain, through my suffering, God. He showed me that the gift of His presence, the gift of His care, that His Word is true. When Scripture says that He's near the brokenhearted and saves the crushing spirit, my heart responds, yes and amen. I have found that to be true. And even going back to Job, like one of my favorite lines in all of Job is when he responds to the Lord and he goes, man, my ears had heard of you, but now, now my eyes have seen you. And that... That's that is, has been my experience. It's only in my pain and suffering that I've encountered these deeply beautiful sides of God. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 73, written by Asaph, who is a temple choir leader. And I, I love, obviously, the book of Psalms because it's the ups and downs. It's the pains of our heart. Um, but this particular psalm, it's just where Asaph is going on and on about his circumstances and how it appears everyone's lives are so much better than his. And initially, his eyes are on himself. And as he looks and sees the prosperity of the wicked all around him, and he's kind of throwing this tantrum. But then later on in the chapter, there's this really powerful God moment where he says it's in God's presence that his perspective changes. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what's happened with me. It's been in his presence that my perspective has changed, that in my suffering, I realize that God, his presence is the ultimate gift. I can see him more clearly now um, as my heart has shifted and turned towards him. It goes back to that subline of this book, learning to love the one who gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm. Um, and so for Asaph, um, in Psalm 73, verse 25, he, after he has that kind of God moment, after he's done complaining and throwing his tantrum, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh, my heart may fail, but God, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And that's my story. Like, He is my strength. Um, he, is, he is everything to me. Everything to me. Um, regardless of what has happened in my life, regardless of what will happen in the future, um, let it be that my heart responds to saying, Lord, you are the gift. It's your presence that I seek. And and so for now, I find myself yes, speaking at women's conferences and retreats and things like that. But 
as you mentioned, my husband and I, we lead an unplanned pregnancy clinic um, in McKinney, Texas. And this is where I sit across from girls who come in feeling like this is the worst day of their life, wondering what are they going to do. And, and in those moments, I get to share with them my story. My story is different. I don't have an abortion story. Um, but what I do get to tell them is, let me share with you about this journey that I've been on. And that's when I begin to tell them about my story of loss. And I'll explain to them, man, I would have given anything for God to change my circumstances. I would have given anything for the Lord to undo what happened to my husband. But what I find out now is, zooming out, he gave me something so much better. He gave me himself, his presence. And just as the girl I'm sitting across across from, I tell her, God may not undo your circumstance, but he can be with you, and you don't have to do this alone. Mm -hmm. And to see just the spiritual eyes being opened with our patients, and they say, I want to know Jesus like that. Mm -hmm. I want to know that he can be my best friend. And and so many times you can see them pray to receive Christ. What's really cool is that the day that they chose life for their child is also the day that they choose life in Jesus that will forever transform not only their life, but ultimately their family, their children, mm. their children's children. Um, and that that's powerful. That's powerful. And so it's amazing when we say yes to God in our pain, when we say yes to God with the circumstances, those things that He's allowed in our life, that we can now encourage others to say, you can do it. He has been with me, and just as He was with me, He will be with you. Press on. Continue on. And, and that really, no matter what circumstance, whatever venue I find myself in, let that be my heart's cry, is just to press on. Jesus is enough. He is everything. And, and basically, that's what I do today. So whether it's a conference or being at work or meeting someone on the street who's hurting, let that be, let him be our story. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's not our story. It's the story that... That God is writing in our lives to make himself known to this world, to bring glory to him, but yet it is for our good, because mm. it is not about us. It is all about him. Yeah, I love what you say um, in, in, in the book, that basically uh, this love cared enough to save me from myself and became the offer mm. I could not refuse. And because it's only in Christ and identity in Christ that any of us have true peace and true strength and true anything. Uh, and, and, right. uh, and a lot of times uh, we, we seek the, and I tell guys, uh, we seek the benefits of God, but we don't seek him. Mm-hmm. And, and I right. love when, when I met you, out there and my wife texted me while she's listening to the she's listening to the program she goes why didn't i meet her uh because the verse you <laughs> quoted earlier was her favorite verse and she goes she's my new best friend and i haven't even met her yet so you and aaron I are gonna have that. to bring your kids and come to the beach in florida for some relaxation and you're gonna have to spend some time talking with my wife uh Mm-hmm. Uh, and because Lori is a woman of God too, but you, you, when when I met you there, I knew God's hand was on you, and you were 
so genuine, and I, I'm just so thankful that God brought our paths together. I want to let our listeners know, again, that they can get your book, Dancing on My Ashes. If you know somebody who is struggling with loss, and it doesn't have to be physical loss. It could be, but it may be relational loss. It, it, it could be somebody who is out of relationship. We have a lot of broken relationships this would be a great resource for them because it tells of a loss that's almost unimaginable to me. I mean, your poor mom, I mean, having to deal with the loss oh, of her yeah. husband and both her daughter's right. husbands gone in, in a sh- very short period of time. And that's right. Yeah, three widows together. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, y- 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 you're, yeah. you're like uh, Naomi and Ruth. You know, I mean, I mean, you're, you're, it's just terrible, but, and she said, what, call me Mara, which is pain. You know, I mean, like that, that, that's right. Bitterness. Yeah. It's bitterness. But yet you write this story, you and your sister, and, uh, and it's just beautiful dancing on my ashes.com. And if you would like Heather to speak and share at your conference, whether you're in Virginia, I think she travels pretty much wherever God leads her. Uh, you can go to dancingonmyashes.com, and you can just go. There's a place there that says um, speaking schedule. You can see where she's speaking. There's a contact. Uh, if you want her to come do a retreat, uh, to come share. Uh, and now, now, do you and your sister, we got about one and a half minutes left. Do you and your sister go together? Do you go individually uh, when y'all go do this? We do both. Okay. Yeah, we do both, um, just kind of depending on what the ask is. But we, it's always better together. But we, um, we will do individually as well. So yeah, we just we just open our lives to the Lord and say, use us. And and her sister has some beautiful art. And where do where do they go to see that and buy that? Is can they go on the website and get that too? Well, if they, you can find us really easily on Facebook. So we have a Dancing on My Ashes page, but okay. her art is found at Story Designs on Facebook. And so, but if you go to Dancing on My Ashes, it'll you'll find some links that'll take you to Story Designs as well to see her art. Okay, Beautiful. Facebook Dancing on My Ashes again. It's Holly Snell and DancingOnMyAshes.com. Holly. Thank you so much for giving us time this Thursday, and I pray God continues to bless you, your children, your husband, and y'all's church, you know, the Crisis Pregnancy Center out there, and and uh, and all you do. May His richest blessings be on you. All right. Thank you. Thank right. you, Doug. Hey, if you want to listen to this, go to SWATradio.com. You can download it and share it uh, with somebody else. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow, Taylor and I. We will be talking about this. And if you want to call in, I'll send out some free copies. Stay tuned to SWAT Radio tomorrow on SWAT Radio. If you missed the SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies.